The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. It's a mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter, back where he belongs in the guest co-host chair. It's David Johnson, my cohort at the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. He's got his own podcast, The Insiders, that you can check out on the Ole Miss Spirit. David, what's up, man? How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, good, good. A little bit of stuff going on surrounding Ole Miss, just a little bit. What's your take on the week that was last week? You got Glenn Boyce and the controversy there, then Ole Miss beats the brakes off Vanderbilt. Yeah, yeah. I, well, the controversy, I mean, almost surreal. Uh, again, I have no problem with the man. I think Glenn Boyce is going to prove to be a, a pretty good leader of the University of Mississippi. My issues were with the process. I mean, you know, for lack of a better word, the process was lacking, to say the least. Uh, it was incredulous uh, how things went down. 
And the people who are upset about that, I think, have a right to be upset about that. But at the same time, I think they got the right man for the job. Now, that's that's a very early, early opinion. And the proof is going to be in the pudding, so to speak. But, um, you know, uh, Boyce was on the Rebel Yell hotline with Chuck on Monday night. Uh, I thought he said all the right things. I thought he said some encouraging things, particularly from an athletic standpoint, which is, was kind of the scope of the conversation. Uh, and I'm excited to see him put some of those thoughts and ideas into action. It still doesn't make the process smell any better, though, Ben. I have no idea what he's going to be like as a chancellor. I'm not qualified enough to tell you what a good candidate for chancellor is supposed to be, what it looks like. But I do know this. He's got a steep hill to climb to get all of the public on his side. And he didn't do himself any favors last week without he answered some questions. I haven't listened to the Rubio hotline. I don't know about the athletics side. Ultimately, um, the chancellor is less about athletics than he is about being an R1 research university and all those type of things. So he's got to be great in academics. But you're right. I don't want anybody to lose focus here. I don't know Glenn Boyce. I don't know him personally. Um, and I don't know what he's supposed to be as a candidate. But I do know that the process stunk. Yeah. And something was off the whole way through, and it reeked of a sham and of an inside job. And I think my biggest takeaway, and it continues to be the same today as it was last week when all this broke down, Ole Miss being tied to the IHL will be what holds it back forever. And until Ole Miss can find a way to influence and impact local government and statewide government and get away from the IHL, it'll have to deal with this. It's a broken system is the IHL that these universities yeah. – can't govern themselves because this IHL board doesn't want one school to get bigger than the other. It used to be back in the olden days that you had these representatives from this school, these from this school, and these from this school. And the ones from Ole Miss, they'd come with a recommendation for, I don't know, chancellor and say, this is who we want. And everybody else would go along with it. And they would expect the same in return for their school because those people knew what was best, in theory, for their university. But now you've got ulterior motives from those other schools. Other representatives want to do whatever they can to ensure that, for example, an Ole Miss doesn't get what it necessarily wants or needs in, I don't know, Chancellor, whatever. And that's my issue is the IHO continues to be the problem. It's become a backwards, archaic system that has to go away. And I don't know how Ole Miss can do it because, like we've talked about before, the local government, statewide government, that's what you have to fix and influence in order to get it done. I don't know if Ole Miss could ever do that. Politics, the roots of the political system inside the state of Mississippi obviously run very, very deep. They're generational. Um, I think you saw that with uh, some of this uh, search that just went on. Uh, to me, uh, the IHL board, I agree with everything you just said, by the way. Uh, it is antiquated. It is outdated. It has, if it ever was the appropriate way to select the leadership at Mississippi's public universities, that time is gone. Uh, number one, look at the damage done to the University of Mississippi during the interim when there was no president. Anybody, and I say body, I mean the board, any board, governing board that takes that long and leaves that big of a, a uh, a time period of a void of leadership, it's not doing an effective job. I mean, because there was damage sustained to the University of Mississippi during the, the leadership void. There was nobody at the helm of the ship. 
at a critical, critical time when the university was dealing with so much stuff. And if the IHL board cannot move any quicker than that to put a qualified candidate in place, then I, I, I don't see any use for it. I agree with everything you said. There needs to be a different way of doing this. Before we get going here in this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions, let me tell you about my bookie. I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting my money on it. Sometimes I have a gut feeling about a matchup, and sometimes I'm just betting on my team because they're my team. Regardless whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to bet for the first time, my bookie is your best bet this season. With pro football, college football, and the MLB playoffs in full swing and both hockey and basketball around the corner, now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in on the action. If you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you really want to support your team this season, don't just sit on the sidelines. Get in the game. Mybookie.ag. And if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. And all you got to do is use the promo code TOC, Talk of Champions, TOC. And when you do, you'll activate the offer. That's promo code TOC to double your cash. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid. Being in that room was surreal. The inn is private property, and I am someone that is fully in support of those who want to peacefully protest. I came out in defense strongly for the players, for example, in basketball when they knelt. I support free speech. I support that because it's a constitutionally protected right. It's the most American thing, and yet in that room, it felt very acrimonious. It was very angry. And then, of course, when they started getting loud— the other side started getting loud, and nothing could ever get done. It wasn't just the protesters that resulted in that press conference getting canceled. It was everybody. Yeah. Well, and no I'll one was say, being civil there. I'll say this too. You know, they they had the lip service listening sessions, and uh, I mean, no pun intended, but a terrible, terrible bedside manner uh, for those uh, people on the committee. Uh, if you go back and look at those listening sessions, I mean, it was just, it was arbitrary. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was just not a good process all the way through. And there were people who stood up at the listening sessions here at the end of Ole Miss in Oxford and predicted exactly what was going to happen. Exactly. People in the know knew what was going to happen as far as the process went. And again, nothing against Dr. Glenn Boyce. I wish him well. I think he's going to do things that need to be done here in terms of leadership at the university. It doesn't change how it happened, though. No. And, and that was bad. I know nothing about Glenn Boyce. I don't know him personally. I know, I, this is not, I'm not talking about Glenn Boyce. I'm talking about process, and the process stunk. And I brought up the room for a specific reason. Ford Dye comes out and says, we had to do this and move to get Glenn Boyce in because we wanted to unify the Ole Miss fan base. Wait, wait, wait a minute. That is one hell of an imitation right there. Congratulations on that, by the way. Now, do that again. That, I mean, I mean, that was good. We, we wanted to unify the Ole Miss fan base. <laughs> really? If you look to your left and right in that room, that job was not done. But I will give Ole Miss credit for allowing the protesters a true platform and a private uh, property. I didn't like the cop escorting the woman out, picking her up and taking her out. Uh, yeah, that was bull crap. Yeah, I did appreciate that same cop, though, walking out to the protesters in the lobby and saying, hey, very calmly, I was standing right beside him, very calmly, guys, this is private property. They have to be able to do their business. It's over here. Uh, you can continue to protest off of these grounds. And the protesters adhered to that request. He was very 
generous about that. And that was good. So there was a little bit of common ground, but I get where both sides of this is coming from. And I'm not a both sideism type of guy, but I understand the frustration because I feel it too of those protesters. And I, and I understand the Ole Miss fan that just wants normalcy and wants to get behind and rally behind Glenn Boyce. But I think all of us can understand and appreciate and recognize one thing. This process stunk. Listen, again, I, I, I've said it. I think, I think I understand the thought of why they did this. I think Boyce is going to fix a lot of things that people deem as problematic right now with the University of Mississippi. But again, I'm with you a thousand percent on the process. The process taints it. It tarnishes everything. And uh, you treated your constituency, IHL, like a bunch of idiots. That, 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 that's the bottom line. And you thought, you high-handedly thought you'd do this and there'd be no backlash. I hope you, I hope they didn't think that because there was obviously going to be backlash. And here's the other thing I'll point out. And, you know, you and I occasionally in our telephone conversations will talk politics. So you can vouch for me. I'm right of center. Okay. But I, I'm tired of seeing people making this a leftist issue. It's not. It is not. I mean, there are people on both sides of the political divide that are upset about how this was handled. And I just think that needs to be said. You can't paint it as one side or the other. Thank you. If David Johnson is saying that, and trust me, he and I, politically, we're very different. But he's a very strong conservative person, and you recognize it too. So all those that think that Ben's being some crazy leftist. No. No, you're not. No. We're just talking about this isn't a conservative, liberal issue. That's not what anybody's talking about. Let's not lose focus of what the problem was. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben. It's a mailbag Talk of Champions. Ole Miss got a huge win on Saturday. I had to have it win for so many reasons. And I gave credit immediately on Twitter after the game was over to Matt Luke and company. Ole Miss needed to kick Vanderbilt's ass, not for just the obvious reason of getting a win, but more than that, after the last couple of days with the university dealing with the nonsense that was that chancellor search and hiring Glenn Boyce. And they gave it to him. So before we get to the mailbag, real briefly, that was an ass-kicking, David. What was your impressions of it? Yeah, uh, that was my impression of it. I, I mean, you know, went into halftime thinking a little bit like, uh, you know, this may be the typical Ole Miss Fandy game decided in the fourth quarter. Ole Miss goes up 10 nothing. It's 10-6 at the half. Um but you never felt like Ole Miss was not in control of that football game. At least I didn't from my vantage point in the press box. I always felt like they were in control. And then, boom, what a way to open up the third quarter with the two long touchdown runs, kind of put the thing out of reach. Then they kept hammering them. They were able to uh, to just kind of run it down Vanderbilt's throat. The defense uh, stingy all night long, and it was. And that final score mattered. Look, had that been a 10-6 Ole Miss win, uh, you're going, okay, they barely got by Vanderbilt. They dominated Vandy 31-6. That's two SEC teams Ole Miss has beaten soundly this year. I mean, Arkansas was 31-17, but there was an offensive touchdown given up in that game. Uh, The defense played great. should have been a 31-10 game. Uh, This is a team that I, I think they got a couple more wins in them. Do they have three more wins in them? I don't know. It's going to be tough. I I said last week the formula was you had to beat Vanderbilt. Then you've got to win two out of three of the Texas A&M game. 
the the Missouri game this weekend and then the Mississippi State game at the end of the season. You got to win two out of three of those because I feel like they're going to beat New Mexico State. That gets you to six. Right now, I think that's the only way you get to six. I don't think you're beating Auburn. I don't think you're beating LSU. It's time now to jump into the modern Woodman mailbag. But real quick, let me tell you about Impact by Ironwood. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right. Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part, you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolemiss.com. That's impactolemiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. It's mailbag time. Mail time. The mail's here. You've got mail. Special mail for you. This is a letter to Hollywood saying, keep it up. Movies are great. Opening up the mailbag now, I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud. Should be wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. If we're not in a specific spot, let me know at Spirit Ben, and I'll get it there. I promise. First question, Ben Burkhalter at Ben Burkhalter1. What's the quarterback situation going forward, David? Well, I mean, nobody will come out and say it, but uh, I mean, unless something changes, I expect this is John Rice Plumley's football team to uh, be the primary steward of the rest of the way. Um, he's got the hot hand right now. Um, yeah, things have been clicking since he's been behind center. And, um, you know, it's not – it hasn't reached a point where anybody has declared that yet, but but I'm not blind. Um, people – I've seen some people hammer John Rice for – and maybe hammer is not the right word, but critique John Rice for his passing ability Saturday night versus Vanderbilt. Look, folks, he, he they didn't need to throw the ball Saturday night against Vandy. I, I get what you're saying. I mean, 413 yards on the ground, though – those big runs, the gashing of the Vandy defense, they'd have been stupid for putting the ball in the air in the second half. So they didn't. But I also want to say this, too. If And I know this is it's hard to show up on television, Ben, because the TV cameras are following the action. But high above, if you're looking at the entire field, you see something, and, and people are knocking John Rice's ability to pass the football there's a problem with the Ole Miss wide receiving core right now in terms of getting open. You're seeing teams play bump coverage on them. They're knocking them off, physically handling them at the line of scrimmage, and they're not where they need to be on their routes you know, in, in relation to the timing of the play and things like that. Plumley, as Rich Rod said Monday, he can make all the passes. You got to get open, though. You have to get open. And, you know, you got a great receiver like Elijah Moore that's lined up in the slot. Um, but I, I think he's somewhat limited in terms of using him to stretch the field, Ben, because of his height. Most of those field stretching passes are going to be 50-50 balls. And I, I don't know that Elijah can can out high point some of these six one six two cornerbacks or, or even safeties downfield to, to make those kind of catches. So, you know, he's kind of 
limited to kind of a close quarter threat and then what he can do after he catches the ball. And then, you know, look at it like this. Jonathan Mingo has started all six games. I know he's just a true freshman, but he started six games at wide receiver for Ole Miss this year. He's got a grand total of seven catches. Uh, That's more of an issue, I think, than honing in on John Rice Plumley and whether or not he can throw the football. Because if Rich Rodriguez says he can throw the football, I kind of believe him. You nailed it. I was going to make that exact same point. I know that there is a sentiment out there in regards to Matt Corral. He's a better passer than John Rice Plumley. That's yes. true. He's got yep. better arm talent. But here's the issue. Who can he get the ball to? Outside of Elijah Moore, consistently, who can he get the ball to? Jonathan Mingo is flashed, but he's a true freshman. He looks like A.J. Brown, yes, but he's not playing like A.J. Brown yet. When you ask someone, what does Ole Miss football offensively do well right now? Everyone knows it. They run the ball well. And I hate the sentiment of, well, if you take away the 75-yard run or the 84-yard oh, run. God. Oh, my God. Stop. It's uh, like, okay, if I took away the 70-yard pass for a touchdown from Alabama when it beat Ole Miss 59-31, to oh, then it's only a you know 52 to whatever. I mean, stop. That's absurd. Yeah, that, you yeah, can't take those away. Ole Miss won those plays. Ole Miss blocked up those plays. Ole Miss made those plays. Ole Miss didn't have to throw the ball regularly against Vanderbilt because it was running all over it. So Ole Miss is running the ball well. John Rice Plumley is a better runner than Matt Corral. Matt Corral, yes, has better arm talent, but – who is he supposed to get the ball to right now? They don't have tight ends that can stretch the field. They don't have wide receivers that can stretch the field outside of Elijah Moore, but you're right. The height issue is a problem. Go with what you got. And what Ole Miss has right now consistently is a dominant run game. And that's why the quarterback situation, in my opinion, is all but settled for the time being. John Rice Flumley has made everybody on that field a better player because of the kind of guy he is. I, I mean – the Ole Miss offensive lines problems were well documented the first couple of games, first couple of weeks of the season. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you go to Alabama, you run for 280, you, you run for 413 against Vandy, which was the most against an SEC opponent since 1979. Uh, he, he has made his offensive line better because he is an extra threat. When, when they talk about playing with 11, they're talking about your quarterback not just being a distributor in the backfield, but a threat to go at every single snap. And that gives the defense something else to account for. And uh, again, he makes everybody better out there. What does Ole Miss do well right now? Run the ball. Who runs better? John Rice, obviously. It was fun to listen to on the broadcast, the national TV broadcast with Jordan Rogers and my buddy Tom Hart. Tom say, Rich Rodriguez went into John Rice's house and said, these quarterbacks on campus, they're not my quarterbacks. You're my quarterback. I think I've been saying that Rich Rod handpicked John Rice Plumley, and I was crucified by some to say I'm not convinced that Matt Corral finishes the year as the starter, and here we are. John Rice is the starter. I'm sure everyone's going to come and say, Ben – I'm sorry that I called you an embarrassment for even daring to say that John Rice might get a chance here, but Rich Rod handpicked him, and this is why. His ability to run the ball, because the one thing they do well is run. Chandler Grantham, at C underscore Grantham 4, if you had to take a guess at what the weekend rotation will be for Ole Miss baseball next spring, who are you going with? Doug Nicasio on Friday, Gunnar Hoagland on Saturday, and Derek Diamond. I'll go with the true freshman. Derek Diamond, or one of the Jucos, but I would say right now, Derek Diamond on Sunday. We'll see. Mike McNatt at M. McNatt. What's the latest on the Rebel Rags case? I have no idea. Anyone that has interest in Rebel Rags, and this is no disrespect to Terry because I talk to Terry regularly, like Terry a lot, but this is not going to have any impact on Ole Miss. This is a Rebel Rags case. 
And if you're hoping for something to come of this that will help Ole Miss in some way, it's not going to happen. But as far as I know, they're getting close to discovery. When that is, I'm not sure. David? Uh, yeah, I, I've, I checked out of the Rebel Rags case a long time ago, to be honest with you, because it became evident, as you just pointed out, has no bearing on Ole Miss whatsoever. Yeah, not anymore. And, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm pulling for Terry. I'm rooting for Terry. But at this point, it's not really a storyline that's uh, that's kind of in my focus. Yeah, it's just not an Ole Miss story anymore. At R-P-M-J-R-O-M, how important is networking to achieving your career goals? I was thinking of applying for a new position high up in state government, but I'm not sure I have the right connections. My resume is really well put together, if that helps. Networking is the only reason I got the job that I got. I went to school at Ole Miss. I first tried to be an accountant, didn't work. Then tried to be a physical therapist, didn't work. So I went into journalism. I love sports. My mom said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be the next Dan Patrick. So I went to broadcast journalism. Did Rebel Radio, worked for the DM, worked for uh, the television campus station, whatever it is. I can't remember. And I got to know Chuck, and I got to know Jeff Robertson. I got to know everyone on the beat. And when a job came open, Chase Parham first went to the Oxford Eagle, then stepped back, and then went and made his own website called Inside the Grove with my buddy Ty Alashewski. That job opened up, and Jeff called me and said, hey, do you want this job? And I turned a job that was paying $1,200 a month into a full-time gig that has paid for my entire life and my entire family. So networking, in my business at least, is everything. What about you, David? Okay, here's my life story. All right, so I'm, I'm going to school at Delta State, and uh, I've got all of my major classes out of the way. I'm, I majored in history. So the only thing I need are electives. So I look at the catalog and I go, okay, I'm going to take this sports writing class. And I, I take sports writing, and uh, the, it's taught by the sports information director at Delta State. And evidently, I had a little knack for it. So the next thing you know, uh, I'm the editor of the school, the sports editor of the school newspaper, and I'm working in the sports information office at Delta State as a student. The local newspaper calls right as I'm about to get a teaching and coaching job, and they're like, hey um, – we need a sports writer. You interested? I go down there and talk to him. Next thing you know, I'm a, I'm a sports writer at the Bolivar commercial in Cleveland. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. Sports editor leaves a year later. So I'm the sports editor then at the Bolivar commercial in Cleveland. And uh, from there, I, I, I go on and I'm the publisher at a weekly paper called the Cleveland news leader. Um, it closes down and then I end up uh, coming over here and, um, Shannon Terry uh, was starting 24-7 sports, so that kind of opened the door for me to get over to Oxford, and uh, there you have it. So, uh, you know, and I knew Shannon from uh, years ago. I had uh, had done some work for him for his rival site up at Memphis, and uh, so, yeah, networking, about who you know, I guess. It's everything. I only showed my resume one time coming out of college, and that's when I went to work for the Sunbelt Conference right out of college. After that, I have not had an updated resume or had to show my resume once. Chuck didn't look at my resume. Chuck went, oh, okay, well, come on in. I'll talk to you. And I talked to him, and he hired <laughs> me, and here I am, still here, hanging around. David W. at David Floyd Walk 1, who are we recruiting in basketball now? It's a great question. I think all eyes now turn to Matthew Morell. They have one scholarship available. I think they'll be patient. I think they'll peruse the transfer market. But their number one guy now with Jamin Brakefield off to Duke and A.J. Hoggard off to Michigan State, Matthew Morell. And after that, 
It's a good question. I'm working on it, but I think right now that's the guy you need to pay attention to. Also from David, will boys start a search for a new AD immediately? Well, I will have something up. As Chuck had had, had Boyce's take on, on the Rebel Yell hotline uh, Monday night, I'll have some uh, some text of that conversation up where he talks about that uh, at some point on uh, Tuesday. Um, yeah, I think he's about to dive right in. He goes to uh, an SEC uh, president's meeting next week, and I think uh, getting back to that word networking, uh, I think he's going to – gonna gonna Take some suggestions, maybe some hints of some possible candidates out there. Uh, that's not to say Keith Carter is not a candidate. I, I think he is. I hope he is. Uh, I think he deserves to be. But, yeah, I, I think that's uh, going to be one of his priority number ones uh, when he hits the ground running. Todd Watkins at the Todd Watkins. Number one, how long does Ole Miss keep all three quarterbacks in the program, especially with Robbie Ashford on the way? Well, one's entering the transfer portal at the end of the year. I don't know who it is, but one of them's going to have to. Before that answer from David, let me tell you about the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. What do we know about living in Oxford right now? One, it's expensive. And two, if you live on one side of town and you want to go to the other side of town, it takes an hour to get through traffic. We're all jammed, packed in like sardines in this town. But have no fear, the Lamar. Oxford's only traditional neighborhood is under construction. Brought to you by John Welty Realty. A traditional neighborhood means right where you live. A grocery store, a brewery, restaurants, shops, all within walking distance of your front door. But what about the houses? Custom high-end spec houses. Beautiful finishes, open concept, modern two-story houses. If you're looking for a three-bedroom, a two-bedroom, a one-bedroom, you'll find a fit with any of these three spacious layouts. So don't delay. Get in with the Lamar right now. Build-out is happening. For more information, contact John Welty at john at johnweltyrealty.com. That's john at johnweltyrealty.com. Or give him a call at 662-23-HOMES. When it's football season, all you want to do is be around football. Even when you make your trip to the pharmacy, you want to see Ole Miss. The best pharmacy to go to, the only Ole Miss pharmacy really to go to, is Cheney's Pharmacy for all your pharmaceutical needs. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, Cheney'sPharmacy.com. At Cheney's, Ole Miss is always in season. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Yeah, my answer to that would be December um, or late November. Uh, I, I agree with Ben. I, I, I don't think you keep all three of them. I don't see how in the world you do, uh, particularly in this day and age. I mean, you see the quarterbacks jumping all the time, and uh, they want to play football. They don't come here to be the backup. They don't go anywhere to be the backup. So uh, I'm not going to make that prediction as to who it's going to be at this point of the year because – God only knows how things can change so quickly. You got to remember, I mean, look, in, in July, Matt Corral was being sold as the face of this football program. And that was said publicly. Uh, I think the only freshman in the history of media days to be taken to Hoover, 
Uh, I, I question that in hindsight as to why you would do that. Uh, you're taking a guy who had never started a football game and you're, 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 you're taking him over to Hoover, Alabama. I don't think that was a smart decision. I think that was probably a quote unquote marketing decision, if you will, um, to try to sell some tickets and get some people excited. Uh, don't fault them for that, but uh, just think in hindsight, it wasn't a wise decision because it puts more on Matt. Look, I, I mean, you got to remember these guys are human. Matt Corral wants to be the starting quarterback at Ole Miss mm-hmm. in the worst kind of way. And, and there are human emotions attached for that. And I think it just makes it a little more awkward, if you will, when, when a situation like this develops and you've put a kid out there, uh, you know, in, in that in that light. And I don't like that. Uh, I'll just be honest with you. I do not like that. And uh, I think it makes this thing a little bit more, I don't know if awkward is the right word, but it certainly makes it uh, a bigger deal than than what it could have been if you had sold it as, hey, man, we've got three great freshman quarterbacks going into fall camp. Let's see what happens. That was not how it was sold to the fan base and to the nation. It did Matt Corral no favors. You're absolutely right, especially when you had guys on the roster that could have gone. Benito Jones could have gone. Scotty Phillips would have hated it, but he could have gone. Elijah yep. Moore could have gone. There were a number of guys who could have gone. Ben Brown could have gone. Miles Hartsfield loves to talk. Yeah, Miles Hartsfield, Jalen Jones. It would have been hard for Jalen after the injury. But, yeah, there were plenty of candidates to go out there. Josiah yeah. Houghton, he could have returned. Yeah, I thought that was a mistake when they did it, and I think it's proven to be a mistake at this point. What's and that's th- not that's not that's not any knock on Matt Corral. Look, things change quickly. Two weeks from now, Matt Corral may be riding high again, back in the saddle, leading this Ole Miss offense. You just don't know how things are going to play out. But again, as you said, Ben, Ole Miss did him no favors by, by putting him out like that. Another one from Todd Watkins. What's the vibe on Antonio Harmon desperately need another AJDK type wide receiver? I think he's coming. He's going to take a sweet time. He's going to enjoy his recruitment. It's going to be a down-to-the-wire battle with Mississippi State. I think he's going to stay in the state of Mississippi. I think Ole Miss is in the best position for him. I think they have been in the best position for him for a while. He was back on campus this past Saturday. He's been up here several times this season. And again, he's going to enjoy the recruitment process. But as things stand right now, I think Ole Miss is in the best spot for him. But there's a caveat to it, okay? All of a sudden, you hadn't seen that NWO belt uh, floating around the sidelines very much and getting TV play, uh, and all of a sudden Ole Miss is a running team. Now, if I'm a wide receiver, I'm thinking about that just a little bit. Uh, so so that would be my caveat to that. Ole Miss has done a great job recruiting him. There's no doubt about that. But Ole Miss is not the Ole Miss it was when they first started recruiting him, and they had – all of these NFL type wide receivers and they were throwing the ball all over the field. A wide receiver naturally wants to have opportunities. Forrest Crumby at Forrest Crumby. What are your feelings on Rich Rodriguez and Mike McIntyre as coaches midway through the season? Are they both one and done? I think Mike McIntyre's done tremendous work. That defense is swarming. They're in the right place. You don't see the same level of bust even close to that as you did last year. That defense has drastically improved. The numbers aren't great. But like you and I talked about before the year started, if you can improve from in the hundreds in pretty much every statistical category last year and get up to like the 70s, 80s, that's a tremendous improvement. And offensively, if you can be even remotely competent, you have a chance for six wins, and that's what they've been. So Mike McIntyre has done everything and more 
that anyone could have hoped for him to do as defense coordinator. For me, the book's still out. The jury's still out on Rich Rodriguez. But at least now you're starting to see the identity of what they're going to be moving forward, at least for this year. But as far as being one and done, I think Mike McIntyre is not one and done. Rich Rodriguez, who knows? I think that's a good way of putting it. Look, they're both upper echelon coaches. Uh, Rich Rodriguez, for the work he's done in his career, is probably a Hall of Fame coach. I think you'll see him in the uh, in the Hall of Fame one day. I mean, he's practically the inventor of the RPO spread offense. Um, you're going to get judged by what you're doing right now. I agree with you on McIntyre. Uh, I mean, incredible job. Obviously, there are some uh, limitations with the Ole Miss secondary right now, but they showed up and they, and they played well Saturday night against Vanderbilt. Uh, with Rich Ride, I, I think it was a matter of, of, of getting comfortable with personnel. I think that's what we've seen. And uh, going back to what you said earlier, Ben, John Rice Plumley is the quintessential Rich Rodriguez offense quarterback. And uh, all of a sudden, the offense is uh, not looking like a, a weakness any longer. Uh, as far as whether they'll be here next year, you know, McIntyre's got a situation, I think, and I don't know all the details, so I'm going to be careful what I say here, with his buyout at Colorado still being in effect. And uh, I believe that, you know, some of that would go to the wayside if he took a head coaching job and Colorado would get off the hook in terms of, uh, you know, completing his buyout. I'm not sure about what Rich Rod's deal is at Arizona, um, but, uh, you know, I would think both of them would be on some short lists for some openings, depending on what those openings are at the end of the year. I'm like you. I, I kind of think Mike McIntyre uh, is going to be back. Uh, Rich Rod, I, I just don't know at this point. I don't know. And we're going to have to all watch and see how all that plays out. Mississippi made at Delucci 1968. I like John Rice Plumley, but why is Grant Tisdale not getting any more reps than the last minutes of the Bama game? We're going to have to pass the ball better to beat everyone else besides Vandy, in my opinion. David? Well, again, here we go again with critique of John Rice Plumley's passing ability. Uh, I haven't seen anything that John Rice has done to make me go, this kid can't throw the ball. Now, you're correct in your assessment. His arm's not as strong as Matt Corral's. Uh, but we're not stretching the field anyway. I, I, I mean, and that's not any quarterback's fault right there. That's not the O-line's fault. It's not the quarterback's fault. You got to have open receivers to stretch the field. You got to have receivers that can get downfield to stretch the field. Um, you know, I, I think Grant Tisdale is an enigma at this point. We haven't seen a large enough sampling to, to be clamoring about, uh, you know, they need to put Grant Tisdale in. Tisdale's the best quarterback on the roster. You've seen two passes from him. Two passes. I, I mean, you can't make – I promise you, Rich Rodriguez and Matt Luke have seen Grant Tisdale do more things up close and personal than any of us have. <laughs> so, I, I mean, to, to go – man, he threw that beautiful touchdown pass at Alabama. He needs to be in the game over over Corral and uh, Plumley. I just uh, – that's a head-scratcher for me. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think Grant Tisdale's got a lot of ab ability and – um, I think you can make the case that each one of these guys should be getting a chance. But what's working right now? What's the one thing that's working? 
Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, are you going to go, okay, well, this is working, but I, I really don't like it. I mean, you know, because I, I want to see some passes. Uh, well, you know, I mean, everyone you, wants you, to see some passes, but you got to yeah. – don't create a problem that isn't there right now. Well, you say and, we, we got to be able to pass the ball against other teams to be able to beat them. Why don't you cross that bridge when yeah, you get that's, there? That's it. That's in a nutshell. And, I mean, you know, but if you take away all those big runs – that Ole Miss rushing offense only averaged uh, 3.8 yards per carry, which is pretty damn good. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I look, I get it. I get it. We want to see them all do well, and, uh, you know, we're all entitled to our opinion. But as Ben just correctly said, what we're doing right now is working. Going back to the final two drives of the California game, the entire Alabama game offensively, uh, you know, everything really stands for the second quarter against Vanderbilt uh, was they were machine like out there. And, uh, you know, if that offense will get me three point eight yards, three carries, four carries, six carries in a row and then bust one for seventy five. I'm good with that. I, I think I think everybody should be such a logical fallacy to say, oh, if you take away this run and that run, that's not how it works. Stop. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. That you, you wouldn't take away 70-yard bombs, so why would you take away 70-yard runs? They succeeded. They executed. It worked. That's uh, just such a stupid argument to make. I'm not going to point it at anybody because I like mm. everybody, but that's just a stupid argument to make. D. Mm. Russell, 1980, at D. Russell, 1980. I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's no chance that Jamin Brakefield decides to flip from Duke. He's not. Since the roster is pretty much full, do you think Kermit just punts on recruiting for 2020? Absolutely not. That is not how Kermit Davis operates. And waits to see who transfers, or is there a worthy recruit we don't know about? Matthew Morrell, I mentioned him. That's the guy you pay attention to. Now, he will peruse the transfer market, and you never know what opportunities might pop up. Like, for example, with Austin Crowley last year, he was committed and signed with Vanderbilt, and then in the spring, he opens up his recruitment, gets out of his LOI, ends up at Ole Miss. So there are going to be opportunities. It is a hit. It does hurt. But Ole Miss is not done recruiting for 2020. That's just not how Kermit operates. Strong Animal Doc at Muscles Marcel. Thoughts on Hell in a Cell? Awful. The finish, they completely blew it. The Fiend should have absolutely taken out Seth Rollins easy, but didn't. Watching AEW or NXT? AEW. I'm giving AEW a chance because it's fun. Dan Rogers at Dan underscore Rogers 234. Statistical finishes for Brown, Metcalf, and Knox for the end of the year. Oof. Uh, no way of knowing that. I mean, there's just not. I mean, look, D- DK, AJ, Dawson, all are uh, all are off to great starts. But uh, I'm not an NFL expert. Uh, I-, I wish them all well. I hope they all end up in at the Pro Bowl. How about that? Yeah, there you go. I do appreciate that Dawson Knox is balling out, further cementing the fact that he was woefully underutilized at Ole Miss. Yeah, you know, the, the, there was a. I'll tell you a funny story about that real quick. I know we got to hurry along, but I'm sitting at a game last year. I think it was Auburn game, and the guy sitting by me in the press box was a scout for the Senior Bowl, the Reese's Senior Bowl, and uh, Dawson makes a, a really spectacular catch. I think it was out of bounds though, and it didn't count. And the guy from the Senior Bowl turns around and looks at me, and he goes, "Hey, man, 
so is he in the doghouse? Is he a bad kid? And I almost fell out laughing. I was like, no, why in the world would you ask that? He's like, I just can't figure out why they don't use Dawson Knox more in this offense. He is going to be a hellacious NFL tight end. That's what the guy's telling me. And I'm like, well, I, I can't disagree with you on that, but he's not in the doghouse. Come on, man. He's got to be in, in Luke's doghouse. I'm like, no, not in anybody's doghouse. He's a model citizen. Great guy. Great dude. No, just uh, not getting the ball. There you it's have it. criminal, criminal that he concluded his Ole Miss career without one touchdown catch. Not one. Yeah, I talked to him about that over, you know, after the season, and he was like, it got to be a joke on the sidelines. He's like, I'm sitting over here, and I'm a, I'm a senior, and uh, probably going to get a chance to play in the NFL, and we've got true freshmen out there catching touchdown passes, and my career has passed in front of me, and he said it just kind of got to be a joke amongst the guys. Oh, the Seahawks are utilizing DK Metcalf exactly how they need to. He's they not are. running any routes that aren't goes, pretty much. Yeah, but that's DK, what he is, and it's working. DK was in the stadium Saturday night, too, by the way. Oh, nice. A.J. Brown's already taken off. That is not a surprise to anybody. No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, I mean, it's going to be fun watching these guys, yeah. but uh, projecting what, what their numbers are going to be at the end of the season, Lord, I, oh, I, I can't do that. I wouldn't know where to start. Samuel Cole, at the Samuel Cole. Going into the Vandy game, Ole Miss averaged 30 passing attempts per game and only attempted 18 versus Vandy. Do you think it was game management or lack of confidence in JRP's passing ability? This is a different conversation. This is a different conversation. I don't think that they truly trust John Rice Plumlee to push the ball down the field, and a lot of that has to do with the wide receivers not getting open. But also, there's this weird commitment to running the ball 70% of the time on first down. That has to change. I'll agree with that. We're going to get right back to David in this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. But first... Got to tell you about Grove Sharks tailgating and Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Two more proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Ole Miss football is back at home, and that means great food, friends, and fun in the Grove. Let the experts at Grove Sharks tailgating take care of all your needs before the party begins and the Rebels kick off at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Grove Sharks still has a few packages left for the weekend or the remainder of the season. They can provide tents, chairs, coolers, and TV accommodations, among many different items. Visit Grove Sharks at GroveSharks.com or like them on Facebook at Grove Sharks Tailgating. You can also reach Grove Sharks owner Eric Trimble at 662-816-3493. That's 662-816-3493. If you're in the market for a new car, there is no better time to buy at Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Not only do they now have in stock the 2020 Jeep Gladiator, which is half Wrangler, half truck, it's the perfect car for me, but also 20% off select Ram trucks. And I know, I know, no one really loves the car buying process. I'm with you. It can be overwhelming. You're just looking for the best deal. Well, Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is here for you. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. Maybe that'll help when you buy that 2020 Jeep Gladiator, that 4x4 truck you've been looking for. 20% off right now. Select Ram Trucks. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. 
Yeah, but also when you go back talking about the Vanderbilt game specifically, they opened up in the first quarter gashing the Vanderbilt defense. Now, granted, they kind of kind of sputtered a little bit in the second quarter, but the third quarter, the first two drives accounted for a 75-yard touchdown run and I believe an 84-yard touchdown run, and then all of a sudden you were up 24 to six. And yes, it was game management from that point. You're not going to put the ball in the air. It was Vince Lombardi that said, you know. You know, one of three things can happen when you put the ball in the air, and two of them are bad. At that point, you're you're, you're mitigating the game, you're 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 draining the clock, and yeah. you're running the football. So, you know, yeah, had it been a tighter game, you probably would have seen Plumley maybe throw it 25 times, maybe even 30 times, but uh, it wasn't required in that ball game. You did exactly what you wanted to do. You pushed them up front. You even scored another late rushing touchdowns, three second half rushing touchdowns. The run game was working. You had a big lead there was no sense in putting it in there. Ole Miss ran the ball 71% of the time against Vanderbilt. That is not what they want to do. I think it's more 65-35. They're always going to be run heavy. That's what Matt Luke has always wanted, a run-heavy variation of the spread, and that's what Rich Rodriguez brings. But they're going to open it up when they need to. Now, will John Rice Plumley be able to do that? That remains to be seen, but they didn't have to against Vanderbilt. Let's not put too much on one game is all I'm saying. Yep. Now, yep. Just don't put too much. And that pass to Demarcus Gregory down the field, that was a good pass. Demarcus Gregory just dropped it. So well, again, that goes back to when you're looking at these passing numbers and even when you're trying to analyze why didn't they throw it more, some of that is on the wide receiving mm-hmm. court, not just the quarterback or confidence level in the quarterback. You're the one that said to me, I think, when we were talking a couple of days ago, Demarcus Gregory, that's an upperclassman. Miles Battle, he's been in this a little while now. They're the guys that are supposed to be stretching the field, and they're not. Yeah, and, and in a lot of ways, I mean, it's almost like uh, I'll call it Ray Perkins syndrome. He was the guy that replaced Bear Bryant at Alabama, right? I mean, look at who you're trying to replace. Uh, that you know, we, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Demarcus Lodge. I mean, and even before them, you had the run of Laquan Treadwell and Cody Core and Quincy Adeboyjo and 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 Dante Moncrief. I mean, I'm not sure that there are any of those guys on the roster right now, at least not yet. I mean, Jonathan Mingo has Mingo. has the ability to get there. I, I do believe that. I mean, we gotta got to remember he was playing high school ball a year ago. Elijah Moore is special in what he can do, and that's line up in the slot and be a frenetic kind of receiver. Again, not a deep threat, not because of the speed, but really because of his physical stature. Um, and, and you're replacing some some pretty impressive people. It, as we just talked about, they're having great success in the NFL as rookies. Um, so you got to, I guess, have a little patience there. But uh, but just know that, that Ole Miss passing woes right now, and even to Matt Corral's credit, when he's been criticized, they cannot all be put on the shoulders of the quarterbacks. No, they can't. But I will say, A.J. Brown was not great as a true freshman. Very few wide receivers are. Dante Moncrief was, but he was the exception. Laquan Treadwell was, but he's the exception. A.J. Brown wasn't great as a freshman. Jonathan Mingo, it's not time to write him off. Jonathan Mingo, I think, has got that ability, but he's not there yet. But you can see the makings of what this offense can potentially be in the future. I mean, my God. John Rice Plumley, Jerry Ely, Jonathan Mingo, Nick Broker. What all do they have in common? Snoop Connor? They're true freshmen. Yeah, all true freshmen. And uh, it's something to be excited about. Jay Rizzi 23 at J.R. Millum 23. Could you eat 100 ice cream sandwiches in a day for a million dollars? I think I could. I would try. 
I could do it. Uh, I am a type two diabetic. Um, oh God, so, you die. Well, well, I would have to have some insulin on hand. Uh, I don't, I don't have to take insulin right now. I just take a couple of pills every day and, and try to get my, my big ass up and walk and exercise a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I could do the 100 if they're regular size ice cream sandwiches. I think I could do the 100 in a day for a million bucks. But again, I need medical staff on hand pumping me full of insulin as I'm doing it. Oh, I'd try anything for a million dollars pretty much. I mean, it's a million dollars. Dang near. Yeah. Samuel Cole, at the Samuel Cole. How nice is it that Ole Miss is finally getting night games? Knock on wood. Do you want my perspective? Of course. It freaking sucks from my perspective. <laughs> I mean, and let me, I'll explain why. Look, I understand night games. You get to stay on the Grove all day. You're, you're, you're lubricated up to the point where you need to be a kickoff and all that. But from my perspective, I'm walking out of the team room at the Manning Center at 11 p.m., meaning I've got three to four hours worth of work in front of me so that when you guys sober up and get up on Sunday morning, our stuff is there waiting on you. Uh, so I go to bed about 4 a.m. And um, so I, I, I like the 11 o'clock kickoffs. Thank you very much. From a fan experience, night games are the only way to go. And that'll help the crowds as long as they keep getting night games. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Texas A&M is going to be a night game. Uh, and, uh, of course, this weekend's a night game up in Missouri. And, Ben, it's supposed to be chilly up there Saturday Love night. Love it. Like, Love a four, it. like 49 degrees at kickoff. I haven't checked that personally, but somebody told me about 48, 49 at kickoff. I'm going up there, too, leaving Friday. And uh, I'm going to spend Friday night and Saturday night in Columbia. And I've never been there before. I'm, I'm, I mean, I've been to Columbia. I've never been to a game a football game there. So I'm looking forward to that trip. It's different. It's not this. It doesn't have the SEC feel to it. Yeah. I, I kind of, I kind of know that. And, uh, I was looking for some, look, kickoff six o'clock Saturday night. I'm going to wake up in Columbia Saturday morning. So I'm like, well, what am I going to do all day? Uh, so top 10 things to do in Columbia, walk five miles to this waterfall, walk 15 miles to this rock formation, walk 30 miles to this beautiful overlook, uh, everything is walking, walking, walking a lot of distance. And uh, so I think I'm going to find a good breakfast spot Saturday morning and I'm going to go eat a really good breakfast and I'm coming back to the hotel room and I'm going to watch SEC football till about four o'clock. Then I'll go down to the stadium. Enjoy scenic Columbia, Missouri. This rock formation is. Yeah. Yes. Yes. This is a great David question. Jared Robinson at Jared underscore R25. Who it's long. Memphis got Daryl Henderson, who is now on the Rams. Kenny Gainwell, who already looks great and almost got Snoop Connor, who's already one of the more impactful freshmen for Ole Miss. Moving forward, should Ole Miss just go hard after any Mississippi running back recruit Memphis targets? <laughs> you know, you would think so, but no. Uh, I mean, to each his own in terms of the evaluations. Uh, a brilliant, brilliant move. And look, the, uh, on Snoop Connor, let me tell you something. The credit on Snoop Connor coming to Ole Miss should go directly to Derek Nix. The Ole Miss running backs coach was high on Connor from the get-go. Took everybody else, I think, a little bit of time to kind of warm up to the idea that, hey, this kid is an SEC running back. Derek Nix knew it from the get-go, stayed on him, and mitigated the damage when Ole Miss had not offered him. Memphis had. He committed to Memphis. 
D-Nix never took his eye off the ball in the recruitment of Snoop Connor, and that's why he's in Oxford, Mississippi, and that's why he's running for uh, big touchdowns and, and all of that good stuff. But no, you can't do that. You can't just say, okay, Norvell's offered this kid. Let's, let's, we got to go get him. I mean, it stings when you miss on an evaluation like that of an in-state kid in particular. I, I mean, the Daryl Henderson stuff's going to haunt the program for a long, long time. It wasn't just him. I mean, it was Jannard Avery. It was several other guys that Memphis came into Mississippi and pulled out that they turned out to be uh, really, really good football players, NFL guys. Uh, Kenny Gainwell, let me tell you something. I think Ole Miss made a mistake on not taking Kenny Gainwell. Uh, I've known Gainwell since he was in ninth grade. He's always attended my Southern Elite Combine Series every summer. Um, and uh, you just knew Gainwell was going to be a special, special player. It didn't matter where we had an event, Gainwell was going to be there. Uh, and he was going to be one of the top players there. And for whatever reason, Ole Miss never got to the point of pulling the trigger on him. Kenny Gainwell is going to be the next Daryl Henderson. Uh, I can see him playing in the NFL. Samuel Cole at the Samuel Cole is corralled now 100% and back in contention. Well, if you listen to Matt Luke yesterday at his press conference inside the Manning Center, no, uh, that uh, they didn't feel like they were comfortable enough to put him out there in an RPO situation where he might be running Saturday night against Vanderbilt. So, uh, you know, I, that that would be my answer. That's the only answer I can give is what they're saying right now. Uh, and of course, you know, how do you test bruised ribs in terms of you know, what the ribs reaction is going to be when you get hit. I mean, they're not going to hit him and say, hey, did that hurt? Uh, it's going to be live game action. Uh, you know, I do think that they're probably wise to give him as much time as possible for those things to heal up. But uh, you got to think, yeah, he'd be 100%. It will have been three weeks. He'll be 100% Saturday night up in Missouri. So I don't think that can be an excuse uh, that will play if Matt Corral does not get in the game Saturday night at Mizzou. I think you're going to see him Saturday night, though. Uh, I don't know to what extent. I, I fully think John Rice Plumley gets the start, but I think you'll see Corral at some point in Saturday night's game. Samuel Cole, what can Ole Miss do to incentivize or keep students and fans to stay into the fourth quarter? I'm not talking about during blowouts and 95-plus degree games. Well, for the students, make the student section – as much like right field and Swayze field as you can. And that includes not taking away their beer and their alcohol. Just yeah, let it I, mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that's, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, they recognize that that is an issue. I, I think uh, Glenn Boyce has already said that uh, the students are, are, are going to be moving from where they're at right now. And that's been a sore toe ever since they were moved down there. Um, so I think that's a step in the right direction. Uh, no more harebrained schemes about tents and TVs. And, you know, if there if there are TVs down there, I haven't seen them. I, I, I can't see them from the press box if there are TVs inside those tents as, as were promised the students. Maybe they are in there, and I, I just don't have a vantage point. But um, – yeah, you know, you, you need to keep them there. But I don't know, Ben. I mean, it's a, it's a cultural thing, too. I mean, you know, students seem to come to the first half and then the second half, there's a party waiting on them out there in that clump of trees called the Grove, and they're, they're going there. Um, and when I was 18, 19 years old, I'd probably be right there, too, uh, particularly if the young ladies were going. Dan Rogers at Dan underscore Rogers 234. 
Where do you see all the programs in three years? Football, baseball, and basketball are young with a lot of talent. Basketball, a consistent NCAA tournament team under Kermit Davis, recruiting well. He's already laid the foundation for that. Baseball depends on how far they go in the, in the postseason. I think this year it's going to be tough. I wouldn't be surprised if in three years Mike Bianco doesn't step away and there's new leadership in baseball. But football, that's the question. Matt Luke, is he here in three years? Is the offense under Rich Rodriguez in three years? We don't know, but I do know this. The talent offensively and the talent defensively to a certain extent, but certainly offensively, leads you to believe that football is certainly setting the right course to what can be a potential contender in three years. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, uh, you know, obviously you got to win to stay here. That's the bottom line. And, and right now winning would be constituted by getting to the postseason this year. That would be a very successful season. And I think getting to the postseason next year would constitute winning. I think they can do it this year. Look, they're alive. But, man, those losses to Memphis and Cal mm-hmm. really, really hurt. Uh, you know, if you'd have won one of those, you're feeling pretty good. I'd probably feel about 70% right now that they'd go to a bowl game had they split with, split with Memphis and Cal. Uh, somebody actually asked me this last night. I mean, bowl, bowl projectability right now, I'm probably a 40% chance uh, as far as this season goes. I'd go lower than that. Well, I, I don't know. And, and my percentage would drop drastically if they lose at Missouri on Saturday. Uh, and that's going to be a tough game. No no other way to shake it. But, um, I mean, I think no matter what happens this year, uh, you know, the, there's not going to be any football change going into next season. I, and I think part of that is because you're seeing how well this program has recruited. Okay, you're seeing that. I mean, they hit a home run with that 2019 class. I think it was ranked 21st, 22nd in the nation. It's better than that if you want to judge it by the impact that these kids are already making. So the future, the, the that that cornerstone has already been laid for the future. And then next year, I mean, they ought to go to a bowl game next year. And uh, so, I yeah, I mean, to answer the listener's question, I think Matt Luke's here in three years. I really and truly do. I might not have said that two or three weeks ago, but, you know, my mind's kind of changed a little bit on that. I mean, I'm seeing things like you said. I think the 20 – look, you're going to always appreciate what these kids in the 2019 season, the 2020 season did, I think, in hindsight, because you're going to start to see those were the ones that maybe kind of held on and just – you know, took the brunt so the program could make that next step. But I think that 2021 season, John Rice Plumley would be a junior. Jerry Ely would be a junior. Jonathan Mingo, a junior. Uh, Snoop Connor, a junior. Nick Broker, a junior. That team, that team could make some noise in the SEC. Yeah, I agree with you. I said this before to somebody on staff. I think it was on Sunday. That 2019 class saved Ole Miss football. It did. They hit on that 2019 class. You can be as cri- I've been as critical as anybody about a number of different things with football. I've been critical of Matt Luke. We've talked about it. But that 2019 class, unequivocally a success. Well, you can – look, you remember all the hoopla and fanfare surrounding the 2016 class. Okay, I was ranked number five in the nation. This 19 class is going to end up, mark my word, having a bigger positive impact on Ole Miss football than that 2016 class. That included DK Metcalf, Greg Little, A.J. Brown. If you're talking about terms of of winning, 
wins and losses. I'm not talking about individual statistics or individual superstardom or anything else. The 19 class is going to win more games than that 16 class, hands down. It's going to do it. Hey, anesthesia at Rebel Sandman. We're going to barves away the NLDS, aren't we? Oh, yes, 100%. Every Braves fan to a man or woman knows that the Braves are going to lose on Wednesday. That's 100% going to happen. If you don't think that the Braves lost it yesterday, man, you haven't been a Braves fan long enough. Cody Harrell is better call Saul the greatest spinoff in TV history. Oh, yeah, it's not debatable. Also, who is more likely to receive head coaching opportunities next season based on performance to this point? Rich Rodriguez, Mike McIntyre. David? Based on performances to this point, I, I mean, I, I'd almost call it a push uh, in terms of which one. Yeah, it depends on what the program's looking for. And yeah. offense sells now. Offense sells. So at the end of the year, if you look up and Ole Miss led the SEC in rushing behind uh, an inexperienced patchwork offensive line with a bunch of kids, that's going to make Rich Rodriguez look pretty attractive to a lot of programs. Uh, Mike McIntyre's a veteran. Um he knows what he's doing. Uh, he's a different kind of guy than Rich Rod. Rich Rod's somewhat of a lightning uh, rod, if you will. Oh, McIntyre, Mac- <laughs> McIntyre's kind of laid back, a little bit more uh, subdued, that that kind of deal. So I don't know. It depends on what, what any school is looking for. I, I don't know who has the most opportunity. They're, they'll both probably have opportunity. Rich Rod is the hungriest to get back to the head coaching position. So if a Rutgers, and I'm not saying Rutgers, but a Rutgers-type team that hasn't had a lot of success, wants to do one thing really, really well, also bring some name cachet to their head coaching position, wants to go make a splash, well, who fits that bill? Rich Rod. So I could see something like that happening. Yeah, yeah. And who knows? Maybe uh, maybe both coordinators will be back next yeah, year. Maybe. Cody Wiley, at Cody underscore Wiley 1991. Have you ever thought about starting a call-in show? Not sure how that would work, but I would call it Call Ben. I've thought about it. I've tried it. The logistics of it, not possible right now. Maybe one day. Jason Ballman at jballman21976. What happened with Brakefield? Was it just a Duke offer? It was just a Duke offer. That's where he wanted to be. That was his dream school. Ole Miss never expected Duke to come in. And quite frankly, it was surprising that Duke came in. But when Duke came in, it ended it, and that sucks. And that's why Ole Miss was pushing so hard to get Jamin to reclassify because Ole Miss led for a year and a half for Jamin Brakefield. But once Duke came in, it was over. Larry Joe, at Larry Joe 8, is it a sign that you're getting old when you fully know what your insurance covers, you follow your investments like following sports, and you buy a Lincoln Town Car? For my sake, I'm hoping the answer is no. Oh, you're old. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I, mean, I know exactly how much life insurance I have. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm so paranoid that I, I check the bank statement every month to make sure the draft was okay. Uh, I got a five-year-old, two two older kids, and uh, I'm approaching 50. So yeah, uh, that's that's definitely a sign. Now, as far as the Lincoln Town Car, I ain't going there. No, no, not not going to drive the Town Car. I didn't even know they still made Town Cars. My mother, my mother used to have a Lincoln town car. Oh, my and dad that, did. Oh, David, look, wait, hold on. In high school, I had no business being behind the wheel of a car. <laughs> and I crashed my brand new Montero Sport over and over. My dad finally had enough. He said, you're not going to drive this car anymore. He fixed it up. He sold it. And he gave me his old Lincoln town car. I loved that car. I smoked it out. Uh, I yeah. drank in it. It was a luxury uh, car, but 
it was still an old person's car. I had a blast in it, but. Oh, yeah, man. I remember my mother's had so many buttons on the side of the seat. I mean, you could raise it up and tilt it back and swivel it around and all that stuff. And and when you drove up in it, you look like you're pulling up to do a mob hit. You know, I, I mean, here comes this 38 foot long car. Uh, you know, bigger than a tank, built and, like a box. Uh, oh, built like a box, bigger than a tank, and uh, you know, you look like a you know a mob guy pulling up for a hit or something. Uh, so I, I used to borrow that sometimes when I was in high school, and uh, I I too enjoyed cruising around. Jason Ballman at J Ballman two one nine seven six. Oh God, what is Norvell's background that prevents him from getting other jobs? I am not touching that. Maybe one day, not today. I am I'm not touching that. Chris Muller at Rebel Inc. Non-athletic question, over, under, on the tenure of the new chancellor. Uh, say what you want. He's the chancellor. And I understand criticism. I understand disgust at the process. Ole Miss cannot be in the business of hiring and firing chancellors. It can't be. I know that there was a lot of support for Robbins, and I know Robbins wanted the job, but he also wanted $1.2 million. And that's why if Ole Miss had its own governing body, it could have met that number. But with the IHL, you're stuck at 600000 so that's another reason why if Ole Miss could ever get away from the IHL, get away from the IHL. But as far as Glenn Boyce is concerned, he's the chancellor. So I don't think an over and under is even proper no. for this. He's the chancellor, no. whether you like it or not. I don't like it, not necessarily because of Glenn Boyce. I don't know Glenn Boyce. I have no idea if he's supposed to be a good chancellor, or if he's a good hire or not. I just know the process stunk. And yeah. I understand everyone's frustration, but Ole Miss cannot be in the business of hiring and firing chancellors. Forrest Crumby at Forrest Crumby. With JRP at quarterback, I feel that between UM, AM, and AU, that one of those can be a victory and ultimately come down to the egg bowl for a bowl game. What do you think, David? I know you're eager to hear David's answer, but first, I need 30 seconds of your time just so you can hear from BNA Bank, which powers talk of champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. I don't think Ole Miss can beat Auburn. Uh, and I'm assuming that's who you were talking about when you said AU. Uh, if you've watched Auburn play at all, and I know Florida beat them, that Auburn defensive front is going to be the best Ole Miss will have played this year. Uh, that's the one team that scares me in terms of Ole Miss not being able to run the football. Uh, number five's name escapes me, but uh, – He's like Robert Kim DC on steroids if you watch him play. Uh, they're that way all the way across the front. They've got good linebackers, and I, I just don't see Ole Miss being able to go down the plains and beat Auburn this year. The other two, however, Missouri and Texas A&M, uh, I think they've got a real puncher's chance Saturday night up in Columbia. I'm not going to predict at this point that Ole Miss is going to go in there and upset Missouri. Uh, I got to find a way to believe that first. And, and I've got until Friday's fearless forecast <laughs> to, uh, yeah. to be able to try to deduce that from this matchup. I don't like it right now. Um, a and I, I think Ole Miss generally always plays Texas A&M really, really good. I think they will play them really, really good in Oxford. Getting them at home helps. 
Yeah, it does help. It, it definitely helps. Uh, I think that was a game Ole Miss could have won last year out in College Station. And again, this is a better team than last year's Ole Miss team. I know it. it it's l- not as talented. I know there aren't the superstars on this team. There's some budding superstars, but they're not there yet as household names in the SEC. But overall, I think this is a better football team than Ole Miss fielded in 2018. So I think they have fighting chances to beat Missouri and maybe maybe beat A&M. I may like the A&M chance in Oxford better than I like Missouri on the road. Uh, and, and I kind of got a feeling it's just how things work out. Ole Miss is going to go into the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving night having to win that to go to a bowl game. Oh! Oh! And I'm not sure Mississippi State won't be in the same boat. Oh, God. I had Jordan Tiamu on the podcast last week, and I said, man, if y'all had that same, this defense this year with last year's offense, he was like, oh, eight games, nine games. He's right. I can't argue with that. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Seth Howie at GoRebs18. Who's your best guess at the AD hire, and what do you think the timeline for that hire will be? First off, if Ole Miss could get Charlie Hussey, it would be Charlie Hussey. But Charlie Hussey is number two behind Greg Sankey in the SEC office. He's positioned to be the next commissioner whenever Sankey leaves. So I think Charlie Hussey is more of a pipe dream than anything else. Maybe John Hartwell. I've heard his name plenty. Uh, Maybe Danny White. I know some people are pushing him. Um, I think the timeline is going to be pretty quick. I think they'll make a hire by the spring. What do you think? No, I think it's going to be quicker than that. After hearing what Boyce said last night and how big of a priority it is for him, um, I'm going to tell you something. It wouldn't surprise me if it's not done by the end of the year. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I know they're moving on it. I do know that. It's already in process. Definitely is. And uh, I think, it's again, it's a priority for the new chancellor. And um, – I don't think I, I think this guy's going to move fast. I, th- I don't think there's going to be a lot of uh, uh, deliberating, so to speak. Yeah. I think he's going to know his guy when he when he finds him, and and he's going to make that move. And again, I'm not not ruling out Keith Carter at this point. No, Memphis Rebelette, last one. Do you think the person that leaked the final eight candidates did it to sabotage the process? Nobody I know wants their current employer knowing they are looking and interviewing with other companies. Do I think they did it to sabotage the process? Yes, I 100% believe that. I cannot uh, be convinced otherwise right now. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, we're polite in Mississippi, uh, so maybe we don't use the word sabotage. Uh, but to aid their goal along, there's no yes. doubt about that happened. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Yes. I, I just can't see it any other way. It's impossible. It's impossible to look at what happened and not think that that's the case. So, yes, 100%. Before we get out of here, David Johnson – what is the path to six wins? You said that you think mm-hmm. Ole Miss could have five going into the Egg Bowl. So you're predicting a win over A&M or Missouri? Well, I'm not going to predict a win on e- over either one of them right now. The path, okay. I think, I think is simple. I said this last week. They had to beat Vanderbilt Saturday night. Now you're looking at an equation where you've got to at least take two of three from Missouri, Texas, A&M, Mississippi State. Uh, I mean, I think that's it. I mean, I don't think this team is going to upset LSU. And as we just talked about, I don't think you go to Auburn and get a win. So, you know, you're looking for those wins. Plus, you've got New Mexico State coming to Oxford. you got to count that as win number four. If we're tallying things up here, that brings you back to you got to win two of three, Missouri, Texas A&M, or Mississippi State. This has nothing to do with Matt Corral. It has to do with the wide receivers not getting separation 
and what the offense has evolved into becoming this run dominant team. Had John Rice Plumley been doing this since game one, do they win one or both of Memphis or Cal? We're not even having to debate whether or not they're going to get to six wins. Yeah, I'm not sure about the Memphis game because I think offensively there were a lot of things discombobulated with that game plan. Uh, you know, from from I don't know why. You know, new 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 coordinator, new personnel, things like that. So I'm not sure Plumley would have made a a difference in that game. He probably would have, considering how close of a game that was. I do think they probably would have. Beating California, I think instead of looking at a three and three team right now, probably looking at a four and two team right now. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. He's David Johnson at Rebels 247. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions and iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. We both write for the OMS Spirit, OMSpirit.com and the food of 247 Sports. You got baseball, some basketball, plenty of football this week. So make sure to check out the OMS Spirit, OMSpirit.com. David's got the fearless forecast, the 247 on the Missouri game, a bunch of stuff coming, but he was kind enough to return home one time only until I call oh. again for a mailbag in like a month or two for the Ole Miss Spirit Talk of Champions Mailbag Podcast. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Let's do it again. Hey, thanks for having me on. As always, always a pleasure. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.